Hey everybody, welcome to the Stoops of Atlantis' 50th episode. Can you believe it? 50 episodes. Back in 2019 when I started this, I don't think I had an idea I'd get this far, go this many episodes. I have to thank partially upon my, my oldest sister Debbie, who really encouraged me when she heard the first episode to uh, continue these. Uh, and that little pat on the back really did help to give me the confidence to like, you know, maybe these, these aren't worth continuing. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, all these 50 episodes took a couple of years to do. I had hoped to do one a week, but that's, you know, that's a lot of work. But thank you for all my loyal listeners who uh, who, who check in every episode. And uh, please, please, please uh, spread the word if you can, any way you can. On, on social media is a good way to you know repost the links. Uh, I really would like to expand the audience. Uh, kind of locked in with a, a solid audience, but it, it could use some growth. So uh, any of you who really like this this podcast, please do what you can to uh, to promote it just just by recommending it. That's that's simple as that, or or rating it on on your app. Uh, a, a good rating or a review, even better, would be really helpful and very very much appreciated. Okay, so let's listen in to one for the senses. Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world flow by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. That sound, that music, it was one of the many sounds that filled the air around those stoops of Atlantis. The Mr. Softy Truck's music box-like notes floated around the streets like butterflies promising treats. On hot days, the cat pee smell of Atlantis trees would fill the air as that tropical tree that made it to New York during World War II baked in the sun. This blended with the smell of the tar, the macadam of the streets baking as well. These would be terrible smells if they were rising from a restaurant dinner. But on those streets, on those days, they were what freedom smelled like. Summer has always meant freedom to me. Water, lots of it gushing from the Johnny Pump, cooling down that hot tar, had a smell of its own. As did the sky when it grew green and tar-like bands of clouds tumbled and grew. Then, as we waited anxiously, that humidity packed in those clouds like soaked sponges fell to the earth in sheets of dense rain. Booms of thunder rolled. We would run out in the middle of the street and get soaked, fearfully avoiding any manhole covers that were, of course, just waiting for a deadly bolt of lightning to strike it. On hot nights, on some occasions came this wretched stink that filled the streets. Its source was never certified, but it was rumored it was everything from rotting meat from a slaughterhouse or maybe it was the garbage piling up and baking in various dumps. Or my favorite reason, it was the East River farting. Fireworks filled the air with their music from late spring through mid-July. It wasn't music to everybody's ears. It was sort of the punk rock of urban sounds and it was awesome. There were so many varieties and my ears were trained to identify every one. 
There was that ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. That sound. Unlike the gunshots with their cold, heartbeat-like rhythm of death, firecrackers were a series of spastic, free-spirited explosions. You had the single pops, then you had the full packers, 20 shots that took about 3 seconds, and of course, there were the 1,000-shot mats that deafened everyone on the street while it lasted. The intensity of the mats, or multiple mats, was like Buddy Rich, John Bonham, and Neil Pertle competing in a drum-off, or a thousand tap dancers, each out of sync with the others. It was crazy, and it was amazing. Then you had the little bottle rockets. Bang! Those little rockets with those thin red sticks, they launched up about 30 feet with a little firecracker-like report. Sometimes we could shove a dozen in a bottle. Bang, 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 bang. And of course, other senses took part in the joy of fireworks. That burning, sulfury smell of gunpowder that filled the air was a great summertime perfume. When the rockets were launched at night, especially the larger ones that produced colorful displays like the cluster bee, butterflies, snow and plums, the eyes would delight with the burning colors exploding across the night sky above the brownstone rooftops. When you heard a spinning rush growing faster and more intense, it was a silver jet taking to the skies on a wedding gown of white fire. A roar of millions of sparks, and when multiple jets were sent skyward on a dark summer night, the sight was stunning, like some aerial ballet of fire. All five senses had to be sharp when silver jets were launched, however. The rise may have been breathtaking, but the descent, the fall of that heavy hunk of plastic with two sharp blade-like wings, could crack your head or dent your car, as it did to my poor cousin Rocky one July 4th. Actually, what happened was even wackier. The bunch of us, me, my sisters, cousins, were all hanging out on the stoop after a long day of barbecuing in my yard, as we did every 4th of July. We were settling in for the annual amazing and illegal fireworks show to come. Rocky, who was always a hoot, had parked his brand new maroon Chevy station wagon in front of my building. It sat sparkling proudly in the setting sun, and the fireworks began. With each silver jet that zoomed upward, Rocky would scream out joking, Look out! Look out! as Newton's discovery returned each spent unit back to Earth. But then we saw one falling, closer and closer, heading for Rocky's new pride and joy. Rocky launched himself from the stoop, dove across the hood of his car, and smacked the descending plastic bomb away. He had done it. He had saved his Chevy. Uh, no, actually he didn't. His belt buckle put a dent in the virgin finish on that maroon beauty. Ugh. The sense of touch on occasion was one of the senses that partook of fireworks as well. My fingers felt a burn on too many occasions, but once, on a typical summer afternoon, my cousin Joe decided to light a rocket from the top of my stoop, horizontally. Yeah, the rocket hit my bare arm, exploded, and had a nice pussy blister for a couple of days. The joys of young wisdom and explosives. Gotta love it. In late July, the festive smell of sausage and peppers and zeppelis wafted from 115th Street during the Mount Carmel Feast. Some years, when there was the money, rides filled Pleasant Avenue from 116 to 114. Those carnival lights and crowds made the usually quiet and often desolate neighborhood pop with life, fun, and electricity. Fireworks would greet the marchers during the annual candlelight procession, and I always looked forward to walking in that with my dad and little sisters. And I confess, mostly they get a close-up view of the pyrotechnics. The dirge of the brass band would follow us as we zigged and zagged the neighborhood, but even their dreary tunes could not dampen the spirit of seeing those great fireworks. Summer is many aromas, 
but my favorite is the smell of burning coal, starch, sawdust, and sodium nitrate, aka charcoal briquettes. Those flaming coals sitting in an old rusty hibachi as we waited for them to reach that dusty glowing state so we could overcook burgers and dogs was a wonderful sight, especially as the sun set and the deep red glow intensified. The smell of meat on the old grill, the inevitability of one dog slipping through and being sacrificed to the gods of the barbecue was an aroma that made me glad I had not signed up as a vegan. When the cooking was done and those cold sat glowing like hunks of rubies or red simmerals from Tolkien's universe, my pyromaniac mind got busy. I would drop strips of paper caps. Remember those red paper rolls? They were like button candies but with its little bubbles of gunpowder instead of sugar, and they would sizzle and pop on the coals. Or sometimes I would take a burning briquette in the safe grasp of tongs, bring them to the back of my yard and slam them against the concrete wall as washes of brilliant orange sparks would rain down, sizzling. That sight, that sound, that smell, all great sensory candies of life near the stoops or the yards on the other side. There are a few places that tickle, tease, and please the senses more than the beach on a hot summer day. The sights, expanses of sand filled with blankets and umbrellas like colorful mushrooms fill the eyes backed by that infinite stretch of deep dark water. The sounds of seagulls and that distant tinny sound of transistor radios, of the, you know, these being the days before Walkman or iPhones, fill the air with the perfect tones. The occasional Cessna would fly low, its engines whining as it dragged the banner, flapping behind, advertising Budweiser or Coppertone. And one of my favorite smells, suntan lotion, that coconut, pineapple, and oil scent. And then there were wafts of cooking meat and cotton candy. And the air itself was infused with that ineffable scent of ocean and sand. And it's a smell you take home with you. And there was the hot sand under your toes, the chill of that first step into the waves, and that slight pinch in the air as particles of sand blow in the ocean breeze across your sun-singed face. Then when summer fades into autumn, the smell of burning meat is replaced by that of burning leaves, piled up in Jefferson Park, or even in my own yard, and set ablaze filling the streets around the stoops of Atlantis with that perfume. The chill entered the air, and night smelled clean and dry. There's the stench of school, as the freedom of summer led the way to those prison walls, the smell of the books, the cleaning fluids, and the chalk. There was the hot dogs and mystery meat served by the lunch ladies. A single day can claim the identifying smell for an entire season, and Thanksgiving does this well. Autumn smells like turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce. The sights and sounds of the Macy's Parade was a must, and then the black and white scratched audio of King Kong or March of the Wooden Soldiers. The champ of dominating holidays is Christmas, and no season is as an intense a display, or some Scrooges might say an assault, on the senses. On 18th Street became a glittering row of window lights that spilled pools of colors on the front yards and sidewalks. The sounds of Christmas music, 
In my house, mostly Sinatra, but we mixed it up with some other old vinyls. The smell of candy canes and the cornucopia of gift baskets of cheese and cookies and various meats and treats that my dad would get from co-workers and clients. The dusty, musty smell of the boxes of ornaments, as well as the old artificial tree with faded hints of evergreen spray, offered teases of past Christmases. Promise once again, the wondrous times of family and gifts and good food were coming. More moments to be layered into that glorious density of memories that piled up over the years. Christmas Eve is for me the most sense-infused day of the year, or night. The anticipation it wasn't only about gifts we'd open the next morning, but also about the fun of family and food. For years we'd spent Christmas Eve with my Aunt Anne, who I called Oyo, and my Uncle John in their spacious 17th floor apartment on Fordham Road in the Bronx. The smell of fish, the laughing, and the city lights spread out around us was what defined Christmas Eve until they moved to Jersey. Then it was the waft of shrimp scampi and three or four other fish dishes that filled our house. We never did the full seven. Fish was expensive, but you know, three or four served us just fine. And then add in the essence of Christmas candles and Sinatra music in my own house, and that became the gold standard of Christmas Eve. After dinner, we would sit around and play bingo while the Yule Log played on TV. One eve of the Noel, a loud whining alarm sounded as my sister shouted, Bingo! I turned toward the living room to see an entire Christmas display in flames on the mantel, ignited by a candle. The smoke alarm did its thing and we rushed and put the small fire out before the tree went up. Oofa, that was close. Christmas merges to New Year's Eve, my favorite holiday. Loud chatter, music, noisemakers. The party started after midnight and as a kid, I mean, what was better? We would count down, scream, hug, and to run out onto the street with horns and pots and pans and make a racket. And a new year would begin. Another 365 days of sights, sounds, tastes, touches, and smells. Another sensory year around the stoops of Atlantis. This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.